0: Welcome to The Poetry Gram, a podcast for poetry lovers that offers news, views and prompts to use in your writing. I'm your host, novelist and poet Helen Cox. You can find your free creative writing starter library, which includes a poetry polishing master plan and a publishing master plan at HelenCoxBooks.com. And here's the show. Hello Poetry Lovers and welcome to episode 9 of the Poetrygram podcast. This recording has been a long time coming because unfortunately my husband was diagnosed with cancer last summer. Mercifully it is treatable and I am currently supporting my husband in managing the tail end of chemotherapy as you might imagine, I've been quite preoccupied with caring for him over the past six months and I'm pretty sure we can all agree that's where my priorities should lie when someone I care about is trying to work through something as life-changing as a cancer diagnosis. Writing-wise... I have been making sure to send my manuscripts to my publisher on time and have even managed to write a few poems along the way, which over the last six months has felt like a huge achievement. And I'm sure that anyone who's been through something similar to what we're going through now will understand exactly what I mean by that. I'm pleased to announce on brighter topics that I've renewed my contract with Quercus Books. I did that in January so I'll be writing three more stories in the Kit Hartley series. I've never written a series of books this long before, so (laughs) I'm quite interested to see how that's all going to work out. I've also got some guides for writers coming out on a self-published basis over the summer because my students keep asking me to write them, basically, so I've finally caved (laughs) into their many requests and have uh, several craft volumes scheduled for release and there'll be more about those in future shows. The topic of today's podcast is polishing your poetry and I'll be launching straight into that topic right after this month's Poetry News Blast. The poetry news this month is slightly more local in nature than usual, and that is I'm going to announce the winner of the Poetry Grand Prize 2019, a sister competition to this podcast that took place over the summer and autumn months last year. The challenge to poets was to write a poem inspired by experience in 2019, not like there was anything controversial to write about there... (laughs) (laughs) Fifteen incredible poets were long-listed for the Poetrygram Annual 2019, which is now available at online stores. It was a pure joy to work with these poets in creating something unique and diverse to commemorate in poetic form the year that was 2019. I've already been asked if there's going to be a Poetrygram Prize 2020, Given how positive an experience the first year was, I can say a resounding yes to that and can tell you that information will be released on the next podcast in late April. But now it's time to officially acknowledge the winner of 2019 on the show. Amy Wyatt won for her striking and unapologetic poem, Today's Lunchtime Confession. Amy was the recipient of a hardback copy of the Poetrygram annual and the prize money of £150. The Poetrygram is not alone in believing Amy's work worthy of accolade. She was shortlisted for the Seamus Heaney Award in 2018 and the Dempsey and Windle National Poetry Competition in 2019. Amy has kindly agreed to record a reading of her poem for today's show. Enjoy.
1: Today's Lunchtime Confession I was dishonest for eleven years, skimmed my lunch like a stone into a bin at the door of my classroom, told my mum I'd eaten every bite, looked her in the eye, didn't turn red. Unsure of why I wanted to go hungry, I still feel fizzy water in my gut, beating wings never fully formed. Belly full of chrysalides, shot full of holes by wriggling bullets of doom. But thrill of hunger, rapidness of heart and throat like a drill, makes me a trilling bird perched at the apex. When we're close to losing our chains, freedom comes at a cost. Today at noon, I snuck a sandwich from my bag, held it up, Felt my gut pop, knew I must fill up, leave no room for a mago to grow.
0: Would you like to hear your poetry featured on the Poetry Ground podcast? if so send up to three poems to poetrygram at helencoxbooks.com and your work might be selected for our next episode the poems can be on any topic and can be up to 40 lines in length we we'll look forward to hearing from you and now on with the show So now on to today's main topic, which is polishing your poetry. You may have noticed at the top of the show that I invite listeners to access a poetry polishing master plan via my writer's community mailing list. You can find a link to join that if you haven't already through my website. And I think that resource works for a complete step by step breakdown. But I wanted to use this show to offer some general tips for reworking your poetry. This seems to be... One of the most common things I'm asked about in the poach classes I teach and the tips that follow are the highlights, as it were, of the various pieces of advice I tend to dish out. The first thing that I would say is, in my experience, and all of this is from my experience, so uh, do feel free to take what's useful and disregard anything that isn't, uh, but it's not very productive to try and think about editing or polishing whilst you're writing a first draft. I really encourage you to let that first stab at the poem be raw. Allow yourself to have fun with it, experiment without concern about the outcome, just see where the material takes you. You need to have a first draft, i.e. something to edit, before you can even think about polishing it. I know that sounds like common sense, but I think sometimes we end up putting the cart before the horse and envisioning this perfect poem before we've actually given ourselves a chance to explore on the page. The strange truth about writing poetry is that some poems seem to come out almost fully formed and others you have to really toil over just to get them vaguely how you want them. No, just me. well, you know, all I can say is this is how it's been for me. (laughs) In some cases, you know, changing the odd word or editing the odd line is all that's needed and others just seem to take months to perfect or get as close to perfecting as we can. You can guarantee that it's the ones that come out of the pen almost perfectly formed that are the ones people will croon to you about when you do readings. Those will always be the favourite poems of other people and you, when people tell you this, will smile your best smile <laughs> and try not to feel resentful about the fact people can't see the genius in the poem that took you months to, to finish. And, you know, welcome to the life of a poet. <laughs> That's just one thing on the list that you have to kind of contend with. Once you've accepted that fact that some poems are going to be pretty okay on a first draft and will need minimal editing and others will really need a lot more work Um, you can take a step back uh, from a first draft and really just you know assess it which which of those two categories is it is it falling into I, I recommend leaving some space between a first draft and editing a week if you can stand to uh, if you're a little bit more impatient, as I am, then three days if you really can't wait any longer. And when you're looking at the poem again, there are a couple of things that are worth establishing straight away. Firstly, what is the poetic objective? i.e., what am I trying to convey to the reader through this poem? And secondly, what change or shift happens between the title? And the last line. Poems that need little editing or reworking tend to have those two things very clearly from the outset. They seem to have a clear purpose and they should have some kind of change. If there's no change evident, if throughout the course of the poem there's no realisation or discovery, if there's no journey, then it's a matter of asking yourself as a poet why a reader should care about this poem. It's a harsh question to ask and a difficult one to answer. Sometimes we just write poems for our own enjoyment and there's nothing wrong with that. But if you want to send out a piece to a readership, I really recommend being brutal with yourself about the answers to these questions. If you don't know the answers, it would be wise to do some more thinking on these points before you start looking at things like comma usage You need to find the shape of your poem and then you'll be able to mould it just as sculptors chip away at a block of marble while envisioning the overall shape of their finished art. So for the sake of argument and because podcasts are only of a limited time, shall we assume that you can find answers to both of these questions? You know what you're trying to convey and you know what the journey is in the poem the next question and yes i'm sorry there is another question to answer is do all the various components of the poem that you've written facilitate the poetic objective and the journey do they support those things my poetry polishing master plan offers a whole list of elements to explore But an easy one to pick on for the sake of an example is the form of the poem. So if your poem is about separation, just for example, are couplets written in perfect rhyme appropriate? Is that an appropriate form? That is a form that suggests idealistic togetherness traditionally. Now you might be doing something ironic and that's cool. And you might be doing something a bit subversive with that form. And you should go for that too. But it's important that you know what you're doing with the form and why. If it's something about separation and you're being kind of straight-faced about it and you're not trying to do something ironic, uh, then you might be better off with something like blank verse where the rhymes are left partnerless and alone throughout. And that is just one very simple example, but I'm sure you get the idea. Each element of the poem needs to be addressed right down to the punctuation to make sure it's serving the overall objective of the poem and the journey the writer is taking us on. And there's lots and lots of different ways of doing that. There's not just one way. So do make sure that it's true to your overall vision of the poem. If going through every single element of the poem (laughs) feels like a big task, well, you're not alone in thinking that. And when I'm editing for clients or editing my own work, I always revise in waves because I think trying to do it all at once is just too much. It's too overwhelming and you can't focus as clearly as you need to on each element if you're trying to look at everything at once. So on a first pass, I'm looking for the overall shape of the poem, the things that we've just been talking about. I'm making sure that the form is appropriate, the line breaks are appropriate, and the use of the page in general makes sense for the purpose. I mean, if I'm editing for a client or myself, I ask myself those same questions about, is there a clear purpose? Is there a clear journey? And those are always my first questions. At this point... I'm also going to try and weed out any redundant sentences if I can. I don't know about you, but on a first draft, I'm quite fond of stating the same thing twice, sometimes even three times. The same message three times. <laughs> I really want the reader to get what I'm talking about. And the problem is that they've already got it the first time round. And the truth is that I probably just like the images that i've used to convey the ideas so i want to hang on to them but at least one of them has to go it's okay because it can be reused another way in another poem some other time so it's not a loss but that's one of the core ways in which as poets we have to be a bit brutal with ourselves if we're just repeating the same information but with different kinds of lavish imagery in the same poem it can really bog the reader down on a second pass, now that I've got the overall shape of the poem, I'm going to drill down and look at vocabulary. Are my verbs vivid? Did they entice the reader? Have I shown my ideas through strong imagery? Have I overused a particular technique because I just really like it? I make sure any necessary vocabulary changes and language technique shifts are made. So that's on the second pass, sort of looking at language. And the last thing that I tend to look at, whether I'm editing someone else's work or looking at my own, is punctuation, because that's kind of the, the, the real minutiae in terms of the detail. So there's a really, you know, there's a decent range of punctuation to choose from. And unfortunately, for some reason, poets are still most fond of the comma, So I think we need to sort of look at that in our poems and make sure we're using that element of the language we have available to us in the best possible way. Does your poem require punctuation? It might not. Think of somebody like E.E. Cummings and how they use punctuation very sparsely, if at all. If it does need punctuation, how can you use this element in an interesting way to further underpin your message and journey? I'm always looking for new uses of parentheses. Uh, (laughs) They are my favourite. I don't know why. But I don't allow myself to use them all the time because my readers would get sick of the same old trick. (laughs) So it's a matter of keeping some variety whilst also having a little bit of fun with it and thinking carefully about it. Once I've got to this stage with an edit, it's usually time for some other people to see it. This might be your critique group or an editor you hire or maybe even an audience you read to test new poems on. I can often tell a lot about a poem when I read it out loud to an audience just by hearing it out loud. It teaches me a lot about what's working and maybe what needs to be slightly altered. Be cautious about accepting advice on how to rewrite your poem. That's all I would say. The person who's offering you that advice is not you, and accepting well-meaning revisions might actually change the whole style and voice of a, of your poem. So instead, look at the lines people poke holes in or are suggesting aren't working and look for consensus. If three people pick on the same line and admit reservations about it, then there's a good chance that some revision in that area is required. Above all else, however, regardless of who you're talking to about revising and polishing your poetry, make sure it stays yours. You are the poet, and it's not like there are many millionaire poets out there. If you know of any, do let me know. (laughs) Sounds like a good person to be friends with. Um, If you're not being compensated for your work in money, then I believe you should be compensated through the joy it brings you. Another thing to consider if you wish to heighten your chances of being published or selected in competitions, for example, is to be mindful of writing what I call hide and seek poetry. This is a totally made up term. As far as I know, nobody else uses it. It's just my own slightly bonkers way of describing that thing that happens when a poet is writing about something super personal. So personal, in fact, that they get scared about being completely honest with the reader and instead set the poem up as some kind of riddle where the reader has to try and work out the what, the who, the where and the when of the situation without being given any real clues. This can also happen when a poet is more interested in showing how clever they are than making a connection with the reader. I'm not going to tell you that you shouldn't write like this, that's what makes you happy, you should go for it. But if you want your work to be read, selected and published, then in my experience, you're better off not falling into this mode of writing. Instead, perhaps think of it as your charge to do all you can to help the reader connect with the voice and speaker in the poem, to make sure they take something important away from reading your work. If you find the topic is too sensitive and personal, you can always fictionalise it, fictionalise the facts to reveal truth and by this I mean that you keep the emotional heart of your poem but that you change names, places, personalities and otherwise twist elements of the experience to make it unrecognisable as your own. There will still be truth in your poem but fact will be more or less absent. If you need to wear the mask of fiction so you can communicate properly with the reader, then by all means wear it. It is a time-honoured tradition among writers. I often get asked if poets have to go through all this editing every single time before sending work out to competitions and magazines. So the last thing I'm going to say on this topic is, realistically, most of us don't have time to get every poem absolutely perfect for all competitions and magazines. If the competition prize is a biggie, then it's probably worth spending a bit more time using the poetry polishing master plan available through this show or even hiring an editor. But otherwise, if I'm totally honest, near perfect is good enough. If your poetic objective is clear, if the journey is clear, if the images are vivid and the form is a fit, In my experience, editors will forgive the odd tautology or the fact that you maybe haven't used your line breaks quite as innovatively as you could. If you ever publish a collection, you can always talk through those finer details with an editor, so you don't have to worry about being perfect today. Just aim for the best that you can do. On any given day, that's really all that anyone can ask of you. Today's show I want to, as usual, offer a prompt to use in your own writing. This challenge is based on that issue of hide-and-seek poetry I talked about in the poetry polishing section. Rather than focusing on truth, I'm going to ask you to focus on falsehood for this task. I'd like you to have a go at writing a poem in which everything you write is a lie you will be surprised (laughs) by how much can come out of a prompt like this if you're willing to experiment. You might want to try it a few different ways. You could use it to write something very whimsical and silly or you could use it to create something really poignant. If you do work with this prompt and would like to hear your work featured on the show, feel free to send your poetry to poetrygram at helencoxbooks.com or post it to Twitter with the hashtag poetrygram09. Today's show has featured music by D. Yankee and Yellow Ribbon. I hope you found the advice and tips useful. If you want more poetry inspiration, feel free to follow us on Twitter at Poetrygram. I'll be back at the end of April with another podcast, but until then, this is Helen Cox saying, life's not a paragraph, and death, I think, is no parenthesis.